I'm Pastor Clark, and I'm going to continue a message series we started two Sundays ago uh, called Money Matters. And today I want to talk to you about why savings matters to God. Now let me reiterate, this whole series of messages that Pastor Jay and I are bringing are centered in the belief that God uh, wants something for you, not something from you. We want to bring the wisdom of the Bible as it applies to money, and there's, there's a lot of it, by the way. Uh, we want to offer practical help to you, and more than anything, we want you to feel a sense of hope in the area of finances. Now, last week we talked about debt, and we exposed some of the lies that our culture has taught us in the area of debt. And you might think that talking about savings and talking about debt are as different uh, as two topics could be, but in reality, they're very deeply connected. And the reason is because debt is the enemy of savings. Every debt that we take on produces a monthly payment. That monthly payment, in turn, reduces our capacity uh, to save. So the more debt we have, the less likely we will save or that we even can save. So that's why the last two messages on money in general and on debt specifically were so important, and that's why those messages preceded the one that you're going to hear today. These are all important messages, so I would encourage you, if you missed either of the first two messages, you can pick those up on Kingwood's YouTube channel or on our Facebook page, and I would encourage you to do that. Now, I want to say if savings has been a struggle for you and perhaps even circumstances beyond your control have kept you from saving. This message is not judging you, okay? So exhale. Uh, this isn't judging you, but it is providing you uh, with encouragement today. We are not unaware of the economic news that is facing us in this moment. I, I checked the Dow on Friday. Uh, you may have as well. But thankfully, Godly wisdom works in all seasons, even when prices are going up, interest rates are going up, and the stock market is going down. Godly wisdom works in every season. So the thread that ties this series together is the idea that wisdom is long-term thinking. Wisdom is long-term thinking. I don't know of anyone without godly wisdom who effectively and consistently saves money the right way and for the right reasons. So who, who's ready to be a person of wisdom today? I know I am. Amen? You, will you go with me? All right. Let, let's talk about saving money. As a society, we're not very good at it. Let me, let me share with you some alarming stats about savings in America. 42% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. Now that stat should be especially shocking to us in light of the fact that what we really need to have in savings is somewhere between three and six months of reserves. For those of you who've been through programs like Financial Peace, you've, you've heard about the first or baby step, which is to save $1,000 even before you pay off any debt. And the reason for that approach is seen in the next stat. 49% of Americans 
would not be able to cover a $400 emergency expense if it happened today. Replacing a set of tires, taking a sick pet to the veterinary, paying a medical bill that insurance didn't cover. These kinds of things happen all the time, right? Almost half of us, though, have no choice but to go into debt when they do. And here's a third stat. 21% of Americans never, never save for any reason. Not for retirement, not for their kid's college fund, not for a rainy day. Now, I'm not judging anyone's circumstances or motives or their character, but they are neither preparing for unexpected or expected future needs. They're locked into a cycle of short-term thinking. Well, what do we mean by saving money? Before I get into Scripture today, I want to be clear what saving means and what kind of saving we, we should be doing. So by saving, we don't mean this guy. Ebenezer Scrooge. His accumulation of wealth was saving that was rooted in selfish greed. Now that is until he was regenerated, of course. But the the Scrooge that we started out with, he saved because of selfishness with the wrong motive. That's not what we're talking about today. We're also not talking about this guy. Uh, This sits a little closer to home, doesn't it? The fearful saver. Um, Now we can all relate But none of us actually need to hoard all the toilet paper in central Alabama or anything else for that matter. Hoarding is an irresponsible type of saving that's rooted in fear. And as believers, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of love and power and of a sound mind. Now, one other one we don't mean here. We don't even mean the thrifty saver. Now, I'll offer a disclaimer here that I obtained my wife's permission to uh, use this picture of her go-to discount store, and I I may or may not be wearing something right now from that establishment. (laughs) She saves us a lot of money shopping at places like this, but when she comes in the house and says, guess how much I saved, My response is always, first, tell me how much you spent. So, nothing against discounts. I'm thankful for them. But we're not talking about savings that costs us money today. So let me give you the definition of saving money that the Bible supports. Here it is. We save money to meet future needs for ourselves and for others. That's a pretty simple definition. And I really want you to cue in on the word future. We save money to meet future needs for ourselves and for others. Let's be honest. Saving just doesn't have the same curb appeal as spending. Spending is fun and exciting. All you spenders in the room, and you know who you are, um, you think savers are boring. People, I know that's true. Savers make great ancestors, right? But we don't get very excited about hanging around with one or living with one. 
saving money just gets a bad rap. Now, I want to share with you today, using that definition, I want to share with you today four truths uh, that, that Scripture supports about saving money. Here's the first one. Saving money creates reserves. Saving money creates reserves. Embedded in the definition of saving money is the reality that some of those future needs are unexpected. You didn't see them coming. So here's a memo that won't surprise you. Life is going to happen. It doesn't matter how holy you are. There are going to be appliances that break. There are going to be leaky roofs that need patched. And there are going to be school fees that hit you by surprise. And suddenly, when those things happen, life hands you a bill, and it says, will that be cash or credit? When I was preparing this message, I, I was drawn to a story in Scripture that unfolds beginning in Genesis chapter 41, and I'll I'll just kind of tell you the story to make it a little easier to digest. Joseph was one of Jacob's 12 sons, and he was treated very unfairly. He ended up in a foreign land, and then through a series of events, God lifted him out of slavery and false imprisonment to save the nation of Egypt. Joseph interpreted a dream of the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, He interpreted a dream regarding seven years of abundance that were followed by seven years of famine, and Joseph understood that dream to be a prophecy of a real event that was about to take place. And as Pharaoh heard this, he was convinced that Joseph had heard from God, and he appointed Joseph as his second in command, and he said, guide us through this season of abundance and prepare us for this season of famine. So God gave Joseph specific instructions to save during the years of abundance, and he saved so much that not only would Egypt not run out during the lean years ahead uh, for its own people, but there would be enough to supply other nations, including Joseph's own family. Now, this story is interesting to me because I think we often misunderstand in a time of abundance that that is somehow a reward to be consumed rather than a provision to be saved. But God gives us wisdom in good times and bad to not just live in the present, but to prepare for the future. If we're honest, When we receive unexpected money, isn't the first thought for many of us, hey, 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 how am I going to spend this money? What cool thing am I going to do or buy or what experience am I going to have or what vacation am I going to take? That's because we live in a consumer society that has trained us that spending somehow equates to happiness. But this mindset, it can lure us into short term thinking. Just because I have this extra money today and just because I know what my bills are today doesn't mean I know the future. Many times in our marriage, uh, God has blessed us with an unexpected increase 
that came just ahead of an unexpected setback. Isn't that true, honey? We've laughed about it. Can anybody relate? We, we've, we've learned to be thankful and cautious at the same time. Well, it's at least worth asking God, the one who knows the future, what do you want me to do with this unplanned blessing, with this unexpected bonus or windfall that you've brought into my life? Isn't that just using wisdom? Remember, wisdom is wisdom's long-term thinking. That's just wisdom. We need to have reserves, not because we fear the future, but because God has given us wisdom. He's given us present means and long-term thinking to prepare for the future. Well, when we have no reserves to draw from, we're at the mercy of others. Remember last week we said in Proverbs 22, 7, it says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. But when we have reserves, we can withstand a setback and maybe even have enough to overflow, to help someone else in that process. God used Joseph's wisdom to help save not only the nation of Egypt, but also other nations and, and to rescue his own family. Reserves are a protection against unnecessary loss and against wasted energy and against worry. And though our trust, it's, it's not in the savings in reserve, but it is in the God who has given us the wisdom to think long term and the ability to gather and set aside those savings. He wants us to be fruitful in every season of our life. Let me give you another, another thought today about savings. Saving money avoids regrets. So also embedded in the definition of saving that I gave you at the beginning is the reality that most of our future needs are expected. They're things we've thought about. They're things we know may be coming. Whether needs or wants, we, we can see those things on the horizon. So when we commit to spend on something we haven't saved up the money to buy, another word for that is debt, we actually presume on a future that we don't control. But when we save and pay for something at the point of purchase, we can enjoy that decision without regret. Kelly and I decided early in, in our married life that we would save in advance for fun things that we wanted to do in our marriage and in our family. Now, for example, some of you know there's a, there's a college football team uh, in Tuscaloosa that I, I have a certain affection for, and I enjoy going to their games. And, um, and that's not inexpensive because, you know, we want to keep Coach Saban happy and pay him a good salary. So, in order for me to go to those games, and by the way, he's worth it. Yeah. All right. But in order for me to do that, I, I never want my football hobby to affect other financial decisions in our household. So, what we do is we save a little money every month for when that ticket order form arrives each April. We also value family vacations. Not, not extravagant, but definitely adventurous. We took our kids to all 50 states before our oldest graduated from high school. And we did it by saving up a little bit each month during each year to pay cash for our vacations. 
What we never wanted to do was to borrow from the future to enjoy something in the present. There are few things worse than having to pay off something after the enjoyment of it has passed. Now, I want to give you a very practical challenge today to apply this thought, and I I hope some of you will take me up on this. Does anyone know what happens three months from today? Today is September 25th. Well, you know, the amazing thing about Christmas is it comes like the same time every year. It's coming. December the 25th. Here's the challenge. Could we pay for Christmas up front this year? Could we do that? For so many people, the joy of giving and receiving Christmas gifts becomes a financial hangover in January and February and beyond. And paying off Christmas after the fact, there's a word for that, humbug, right? It's no fun. You may say, well, Pastor Clark, I, I, I can't save enough in the next three months to pay cash for Christmas. Well, the average American, it takes them one to three months after Christmas to pay off their Christmas debt. Aren't we just as capable of making payments to ourselves, that's actually what savings is, in October and November and December as we are in making interest added payments to the credit card company in January and February and March. I believe we are. Now, saving for Christmas won't be easy, but it will force you to decide how much you want to spend. And the word for that is called budgeting, okay? This, this year has been difficult economically for most people. Maybe planning ahead allows you to have some conversations about gift giving and about expectations. Maybe this is the year uh, you and your extended family members agree to scale back on dollars spent, but to level up on time spent together. And wouldn't that really be a good thing? Wouldn't it be nice to only carry Christmas memories into the new year? I want to challenge you with that today. And folks, saving for Christmas is just one illustration to show you that it is both possible And it is beneficial to save money for a lot of other needs and wants as well. Here's another uh, truth about savings this morning. Saving money reveals God's provision. It reveals God's provision. Most aspects of our growth in faith are cultivated slowly over a long span of time. Now set that against the backdrop of a culture that wants things instantly. So we're living out a crockpot faith in a microwave culture. Well, money is part of that dynamic. In Proverbs 13, 11, it says, Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Let me ask you this morning, does your savings plan involve winning the lottery? Does it... Does it involve uh, getting a big inheritance? Does it involve cashing in on the next cryptocurrency craze? Our culture is tantalized by the idea of getting rich quick. And that's just not how savings works in God's economy. There are no positive examples of gaining wealth quickly that I can find in Scripture. Our culture is littered 
with the wrecked lives of people who got rich quick and then stopped depending on God. I want to commend my parents this morning. They're watching this service online. Um, they're living proof of Proverbs 13, 11. Nelson and Billy White, born in the Great Depression of the 1930s, they grew up in the leanest times that America has ever seen. And if they didn't have something, um, there weren't even credit cards to fall back on. And maybe that's why their generation learned to save. Well, I have no mathematical explanation how two people who drew a modest income from ministry for over 65 years of married life, how they managed to save and to secure their future. But they did. They did. They didn't know how long they'd live. They're, they're now 92 and 88. They didn't know how much it would take to live that long. But they took God's word to heart to save little by little by little by little. And through that, God has provided everything that they need. And one of the many valuable lessons they've taught me is that in every season of life, I can save. In every set of circumstances, I can save. We can always save something. Every excuse culture makes, I've seen my parents overcome to be able to save something. And it is a fallacy to believe that you can't start saving until you're making a lot of money. I want to speak specifically in this area to those of you who are in your 20s and 30s. You can save money for the future. I know you don't make any money yet, but you can save money for the future. More than any other group listening to me today, time is on your side. Start small. Start early. Be systematic. And God will come alongside your wise choices to help you. Not only can your diligence provide for your future needs, but it can also provide for you to bless and to meet the needs of others. Now, we're providing some helps in this church. Um, our 20s group is being offered a new life group this semester that focuses on uh, financial health. And uh, it's not too late to sign up for that. You can still go to our website if you're in your 20s and want to be a part of that group. And it'll be a wonderful opportunity for you to learn biblical principles, to really get into the mechanics of the things we're talking about in this series and to get stronger in, in your financial position and your biblical understanding. So I want to encourage you to do that. Also, we're going to have a financial peace group that will be open to everyone, that will be available uh, right after the first of the year. And then we're, we're excited about some online resources that we're working on right now that we're going to roll out very soon that will help you in all of these areas uh, that we're talking about. So I'm, I'm really talking about the why behind why we save, but these resources are going to help you with understand the how. Now let me share with you one, one last truth today about saving money. Saving money reflects God's purpose. So I, I want to bring this message home with this final point. For most of us, saving money will be even harder than paying off debt. Boy, that's encouraging, right? It'll be even harder than paying off debt. And let me tell you the reason why. When you have debt, you are constantly being reminded of it. Um, you, you, your creditors have a vested interest 
They, uh, they know your address. They know your phone number. They know how to reach you. But when it comes to saving money, no one is going to send you a bill or call you to ask where this month's savings deposit is. No person and no company is holding you accountable to save for your own future. The accountability comes when a financial need arises. I, I have never heard anyone say, I accidentally prepared for emergency expenses that happened without warning. I've never heard anyone say, I accidentally saved up enough money for my kid's college. I've never heard anyone say, I accidentally invested enough to live comfortably uh, in retirement. These things don't happen accidentally. I want you to listen to Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 6. It says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Boy, that, your, your version may say sluggard. Uh, actually, either one, neither one of those is, is a complimentary word. But take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. I love that ants are given to us as an example. Like us, they have no external accountability to save for their future. But their creator, who is also our creator, has given them an instinct to store up for a future that they don't understand. And if God hardwires an ant to do that, how much more has he given us his highest creation, wisdom, to save for a future that we can't predict or control? Folks, can, can we just admit today, we need God's help to save money. We need God's help to prepare for the future. Following our culture's way makes things easy now, but hard later. But managing money God's way is a hard task that in the long run makes life easier. The only way that we can live God's way in this area or any other area is to go deeper in Him. We keep hearing that over and over and over again. We, we have to go deeper. We can't let our culture disciple us in this area or in any other area. We have to go deeper. Well, we've given you today biblical teaching and access to help, but now I want to give you hope. So here it is. The most important thing that anyone has ever attempted to save wasn't money. It was humanity. And God in that journey took no shortcuts. He did all that was necessary to make a way to preserve your future with Him, though it cost Him more than we could ever possibly think or imagine. I want you to let the impact of Romans 5, 8 sink into your soul right now. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, 
while we were still broken, while we were still lost, while we were still undone, while we were still confused, maybe you still are today, but in that space, God prepared for the future. Christ died for us. That's how much God looks ahead. And that's how much he cares. So if if God cared so much about the future that he made a way for you to experience eternal relationship with him, then there is no doubt that God cares about your future both in this life and in the next. Moving from where you are now in relation to money to where God wants you to be is a journey that is not hopeless and it's one that you don't have to take alone. To our online viewers this morning, I want to invite you to bring your needs, whatever they are. Our prayer team is waiting to agree with you, minister to you in the comments section. And I just want to encourage you as we begin to move into a time of worship and prayer, reach out.